Hello everyone, welcome back to the Precision Unloaded podcast. We've got a special episode for you today, this is episode 60 I believe. <clears throat> We've got Christian joining us all the way from the UK. Uh, Christian is a Bagara International um, pro staff team, I'm not sure how that goes across. Uh, he's tied up with the um, GBPRA, the Great Britain Precision Rifle Association, <clears throat> and in some ways I believe the IP. RF, which is the International Precision Rifle Federation. So we'll talk about that. <clears throat> He's a competitor. He does social media. Um, uh, he deals to the local rabbit population. Um, we'll, we'll cover that. So welcome, Christian. Yeah. Hi, Graham. Thanks for having me along. It's um, it's a pleasure to be on a sh- on the show. It's um, it's a bit a bit of an unusual one for me this because I host a podcast, but I'm usually one of the co-hosts and. I think this is the first time I've ever been on one where I'm um, I'm being interviewed. <laughs> <laughs> now we're we're glad to have you. Sort of um, obviously we talk about what you do with the Instagram and stuff, but also the IPRF stuff holds a bit of interest to me and um, a few people here in New Zealand. So it'd be good to <clears throat> cover some of that off. Um, so we, we might as well kick straight into it, Christian. So uh, precision uh, style shooting in its modern forms relatively new. Um, so how did you get into it? What what drew, drew you into it, and and how did you start competing? Yeah, I um, I I started um, shooting about seven or so years ago. I haven't been doing it for for that long, relatively speaking. Um, just doing a bit of um, rabbit control for a local farmer. Um, decided that you know I, I really enjoyed it, and I I thought I'd join a local club and and start doing a bit of target shoot shooting and learn more about safe safe firearms handling and, and whatnot went to a um, bench rest competition with with that local club um, about three or four years ago and um, down at Bisley our national center of shooting sports down near London and um, met a guy down there and he was he had been watching precision rifle matches from the US on YouTube as had I we got talking we said, wouldn't it be great to shoot one, a match one day? And then, and then actually a couple of months later, he got in touch with me. He said, why don't we go over to Norway and shoot the Midnight Sun Rifle Challenge? Yeah, I'm familiar with that. I've been looking at it online for a while, yeah. Yeah, which is which for, for um, the listeners that don't know, that's a, that's a sort of a 24-hour competition um, set above the arctic circle in norway hence the name midnight sun rifle challenge it's usually shot shot in the summer so the sun doesn't go down um so it's a full 24 hours nearly of, of um shooting a precision rifle field um type competition so we were all booked up flights booked everything ready um, it was going to be our first ever precision rifle match a bit of a baptism of fire and then covid struck we all went into lockdown everything had to be cancelled um, and it wasn't until we came out of our first lockdown that we ended up going to our first precision rifle match, which was actually a, a national match in, in the UK, um, in Wales. And then I probably realised that, that having shot that first match, that had I gone over to Norway, <laughs> um, it would have been probably a step too far for me. Um, I, I certainly had a humbling experience at that first match. Yeah, the, the Norway... Um... Well, what we see of Norway matches, it's a lot of field-type conditions, which is <clears throat> similar in ways to a lot of New Zealand stuff. Um, mm. Would you say they're quite, uh, in the European countries, and quite talented, the Norway guys? They seem pretty pretty ace whenever I look at what they're doing. 
Yeah, well, um, uh, maybe getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but um, at the International Precision Rifle Federation World Championships in France 2022, I mean, the, the USA shooters that came over, they were dominant in the divisions that they put teams in. But um, I think Norway had um, Marcus Olsen placed 10th overall. So out of 250 international shooters, um, Norway placed place 10 so that's awesome yeah, we'll, yeah as you say we'll touch more uh, actually on. I'm, I'm doing i'm doing I'm, I'm getting that wrong he's actually swedish oh <laughs> but norway did but norway did place 10th yeah awesome so uh, sorry marcus <laughs> so you, you went to your first match um what was your first uh um rifle and scope setup that you took um to your first uh, so, match? yeah so i had a bagara hmr mm-hmm um, hunting match rifle in don't know if you're familiar with that I, ha- I have one yes well there we go there yep. we go and uh, that was in uh, 6.5 6.5 Primo yep and that that is actually the, the rifle that I've been shooting um, since I since recently when I just retired it and I'm, I'm going to be moving to again a, a Bagara B14 um, barreled action I'm going to be putting that into a chassis nice yeah so, yeah oh, so you started off with a, a very um appropriate setup um 65 creed obviously the hmr it's got the <clears throat> the stock with the adjustable features um not bad at all um and what scope did you put on it yeah so it was a it was an ior recon oh, yeah. um, that okay. i put on it a 40 28 by 50 i actually bought the rifle um, because um, I, I intended um, to take up deer stalking and I also wanted to do some target shooting. Um, did, this was at a time when I didn't realise I was going to be getting into precision rifle and I actually put a 5 to 50 by 56 Delta Striker <laughs> on it, second yep. focal plane. Yep. And then and then I quickly realised when I, when I decided I wanted to start shooting precision rifle matches that that probably wasn't the best choice. So I, I took that off the rifle um, that's on a 300 PRC now actually another another HMR um, and, and I got the IOR recon first focal plane um, MRAD scope yep the, um, well I guess we, the HMR the intended use is for sort of precision style match style shooting and being able to hunt with it too so it's, um, it makes sense yeah I, I call it yeah. I call it the do it all rifle yeah and I imagine with, with everything with, I will touch on hunting a bit later but I imagine that I don't imagine you're in too steep a country where you hunt and deer stalk. Be rolling hills. Yeah, well, I'm in the north of England, so when I'm deer stalking, it's it's a lot of um, forestry land. Yeah. Um, I don't do a lot of deer stalking, to be honest, but it, it, it can be pretty hilly, but not, not mountainous. Yeah, oh, awesome, awesome. So, all right, we might as well get into the, the main sort of topic. Is, so, so what is the International Precision Rifle Federation? Yeah, so the International Precision Rifle Federation was formed in 2019. Um, five countries originally, Ireland, UK, USA, Sweden and South Africa, that came together. And I, I guess you could say they had a, they had a vision of um, precision rifle as an international competition, very much like other sporting associations, um, you know, the, the Olympics football, soccer and, and so on where they come together um, every couple of years or every four years to hold a, an international competition to figure out who's the best um, in the world. 
um, and you know that that was their that was their vision. Um, they went about putting together a model of having associations in each member nation, of which the Great Britain Precision Rifle Association was, as I say, one of the first. Um, and I think we're now knocking on for over twenty six countries um, in the federation, um, covering covering all of the continents of the world except for Antarctica. Yeah, it's pretty. That's pretty cool. How quickly it's um, gained traction around the world. Um, it's quite impressive, actually. So, so you, yeah. you mentioned um, <clears throat> associations in, in different nations. So, how does the GBPRA the, fit into the IPRF, and and how does it select shooters to represent um, Team Great Britain and and Northern Ireland? I think you split that, do you? That's how you say it. Yeah, so, so Great Britain um, Precision Rifle Association are the, the four countries of the United Kingdom, so mm-hmm. England, Wales, Scotland okay, yep. and Northern Ireland. Um, we are an affiliate member of the IPRF. Um, our stated aim is to promote the sport in the UK and to also um, uh, look, at, look at uniting under, under one um, direction all of the match providers in the UK um, so in the UK we have um, private ranges that will host and organise precision rifle matches, we have um, a commercial organisations that also run series so we've got uh, in Scotland we've got Gardens Guns which run the big, the big CIS series, we've got um, Precision Rifle Series UK um, which is the, the franchise of the of the American Precision Rifle series. Mm-hmm. Um, we've then got C2 Precision that host um, matches, hosted their first match in Bisley this year, the National Shooting Centre. And then we've got the GBPRA ourselves, we, we also host matches. And what we look to do is we look to take the scores from all of those various Precision Rifle matches across the country and um, consolidate scores onto a national leaderboard and the scores that are entered onto that national leaderboard um, are then used to um, determine who will be selected for the Great Britain team that will represent um, the United Kingdom at the IPRF World Championships Okay. Um, for centre fire. So um, what we'll do is we'll, we'll take the two best scores of any shooter, um, any GBPRA member shooter, and we will we will use those two best scores to form their qualification um, score, and then it's a case of looking across all of the qualification scores that people have built up over the course of a season to select the team. Um, we select the team um, across all the divisions of the IPRFL. That's the intention this year for South Africa 2024 World Championships. We want to be able to send a team in every division. For the first World Championships, the inaugural World Championships in France 2022, we actually sent a team in Open, a team in Factory, Seniors, Military Law Enforcement. and We weren't able to field a team in Limited, Juniors or Ladies, but certainly our intention is to do that this time around for South Africa. Yep. With with having different um, series and organisations contributing... Uh, scores essentially from the different matches do, do all these series have uh, the same classes they all run the same or do you just sort of 
divvy that up on your end yeah so every, everybody's a little bit everybody's a little bit different um if i use uh, precision rifle series uk as an example they follow follow the precision rifle series in america's um rules on divisions uh, so i think they they set a for their factory division if we use that as an example they they use cost of the system cost of the rifle cost of the optic combined to determine if you fall within production factory class or not um, the iprf's different to that what we what we look for are the factory are shooters that are, that are using a rifle that is um manufactured manufactured by a factory um and and only uses parts that are manufactured by that man rifle manufacturer or that are manufactured by other third parties but are proprietary to that rifle okay yep. so if i use the example of a bagara hmr um if bagara produced that same rifle but with a trigger tech trigger that was available on the open market that would no longer be a factory rifle it would be an open rifle even though it was manufactured by that factory okay um, but if trigger tech developed a trigger just for that rifle that was only available in that rifle that would make it a factory rifle yeah um and then open division is is open anything goes um and that is true for um senior ladies and junior they are all open divisions as well and then we have limited which is um military caliber 223556 308762 um and then um we have military and law enforcement which is also um an open category as well okay yep so shit there's a bit there to go through in there a lot of classes or sorry divisions so they all compete in the same course of fire and then it's just divisions inside yeah. that. So everybody everybody still competes um, on the same course of fire. And for every match, we what we do is we turn um, everybody's score into a percentage. Mm -hmm. um, baselined off the, the, top, the scores of the top 20% of shooters at that match. Um, so what we what we then do is we we then just produce one um match table for that match everybody's on it regardless of divisions but then when we look at qualification what we are doing is we are only comparing the results for people that are competing within those particular divisions so that generates a one overall leaderboard but then separate leaderboards for each of the divisions okay okay i think the i think what i really like about having those seven different divisions is it gives a real opportunity for more people to to um to attempt to first of all qualify for great britain um, and then compete on the on the international stage um, we sent a team to france of six shooters in open now if there was only an open division we'd have stopped there but then because there was the other divisions we were able to send four in factory we were able to send three in seniors um, i think we sent three in military and law enforcement so we were able to send you know a decent a decent squad over to the over to the world championships and, and other fo other countries followed suit where they could yeah yeah I, I, that's a good point having <clears throat> say okay opens open right it's going to be pretty hectic but 
why I can compete in uh, uh, what do you call it tactical and the two two three five five six sort of three oh eight or something limited. yeah limited oh, sorry limited, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know and, and then obviously <clears throat> um, yeah, shooting five five six is generally going to be a lot um, easier on the wallet. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, and, yeah. So the, I can see merit to it. So, so we're, we're quite different here. So in the the North Island, New Zealand, anyway, we run for the most part. Um, the matches I'm involved in, we have open and and practical. And the only difference between them is the rifles can be whatever you like, um, within similar criteria to the rest of the world with with calibers. Mm-hmm. And then we limit the equipment. So practical, they don't have tripods. They only have a basic bag, no gamer bags, and then and a, and a, slide, a bipod and a sling. And then open, they can use all the gamer gear. <clears throat> um, how I see it nowadays is, is more and more people now are just buying all the gear anyway. The idea was to yeah. try and keep it a bit more affordable, so you didn't have to go and buy a tripod and a three hundred dollar bag and stuff. But uh, yeah. I, 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 th- I think if you look across all the various C- series in different different countries, um, everybody seems to be trying to drive towards the same outcome. I, I think it's about trying to make sure that you can maximise the participation in the sport and the more divisions that you have, like I've already said, the more chance you have of people wanting to give something a go. Um, I think you see, see that in particular in things like ladies' divisions, junior divisions in particular, having a separate division for military and law enforcement. It really encourages more people to participate. Mm. Um, then you've also got, um, you know, if you, do a, if you do a factory division, especially if you've got price limits on factory divisions, well, again, that's about increasing participation. People feel they can perhaps compete on more of a limited, uh, more on a level playing field. I think the way the IPRF does um, factory, it still opens up um, that that great that great divide in in the cost of your equipment because somebody can spend five thousand pound on an accuracy international, <laughs> and 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 you know and, and some people might consider that as um, you know as, as as buying their way into results in the factory division, but the way the IPRF um, build the factory division is to try and encourage factories to build rifles at all price points that are suitable for, for people to compete within the factory division it's about it's it's a little bit like formula one in a way it's about mm-hmm. trying to encourage factories to to get involved and and to and to um and to participate more yes well one thing we used to well so i the matches i run and then a good friend of mine runs it um essentially very similar matches, same rules, and, and he sort of he started it all here for us in, in the North Island anyway. And the, what I we used to have hunter class, he still does, but we just the participation dropped out of it. And the idea with that is mm. even it actually had a separate course of fire, max distance of like three hundred fifty to four hundred meters, and uh, weight I think it was sub twelve pounds on rifles, no tactical guns. Um, I'm doing that in air quotes, you know. Um, and, and stuff like that, and, and a simpler course of fire, more unsupported shooting, so more hunting style. Um, and the idea is to bring in, <clears throat> say, say it's you seven years ago, and you've just got a basic stalking rifle with a three to nine scope with a BDC reticle. And the idea is is to bring in um, the the hunters, which is a massive amount of people in this country anyway, um, 
unfortunately a lot of people just sort of seen it as oh i don't have a fancy gun i can't compete in or they just bought race guns and wanted to, to compete in the uh the open or practical categories um so the, the hunter the hunter class is sort of um, struggling for competitors over here. As, as well, it's so easy to get, like you say, you can just go and buy an HMR or a Howard with a heavy barrel and six five Creedmoor and get going. So um, it's a bit yeah, it's a bit of a sh and shame that the hunter class is, is is not getting the support here, in my opinion. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I, look, I, I think there's one thing that you can say about all of these divisions, and and no matter what the the bet the good intentions are and what we try to achieve through those divisions um they're always going to be controversial <laughs> there's always going to be something about them that you know doesn't quite sit right with somebody and um i, I think it's i think it's one of those ones where um you've just got to make the best of it you did right the <laughs> whatever decision you make as a match director or, or organizing something there's going to be um there's going to be issue but um like say you've you're just going to have to do it, and then and then in the next match or the next season or or, or whatever, um, you can tweak things to to um, maybe make it a bit more. Mm. But but anyway, that's 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 life of match director. Yeah, and this is what this is one of the things I quite like about the way that we try to set up the GVPRA in the UK is with our national leaderboard. Is it doesn't matter under what rules or where you're competing of whoever's matches we try and find a way to be able to still take the results from those competitions produce that national leaderboard with our scoring system that tries to level out the discrepancies between the matches in terms of difficulty of, of each match and conditions at each match um, so that we can produce that leaderboard and we can crucially select the best shooters um, from across the, from across the UK, um, we we feel like we've got a really good um, handle on that and a good setup with it. Yeah. So people can go and shoot the matches that they like to go and shoot um, in the divisions that they like, but but knowing that we'll still be able to take their scores and do something with with them. Do, do many people obviously um, traveling internationally for um, with firearms and just in general is, is expensive and hard. I guess there's a lot of people who are, who are just interested in seeing what they how they rank as a as a national score, and they're not overly interested in travelling to South Africa or France. Or yeah, yeah, we've got we've got a we've got a real hardcore um, in the UK of shooters. The the precision rifle is is their life. It's all they're interested in. It's all they want to do, and they want to. Do the best they can they can do whether that's nationally or internationally and and you know we're, we're, we're very very proud of all those shooters in the uk because they you, you know you see the effort that they put into into the sport and um and yeah they they've got plans to go over to norway we regularly have people coming over from europe to our matches we'll have people coming over from ireland a lot to shoot in the to shoot in the uk obviously we put a very strong team forward for france we're expecting to put a full complement forward in all divisions for South Africa, and that's that's no short journey to get over there. Um, and then we've also got the Precision Rifle Two Two World Championships, the first ever World Championships for Precision Rifle Two Two in Italy, shortly. And and you know the, you've got a lot of people competing to get to the finals in the UK and get selected for for Great Britain to go over to Italy as well. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, very, very passionate, hardcore of, of shooters in the UK, really focused on precision rifle. And then you've got a lot of people that are interested um, for one thing or another, they, they won't go to as many matches, um, you know, the, 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 but we do see still a lot of people that are coming in and shooting at least one or two matches a year. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, so with the GBR, GBPRA, what's your role uh, there? How, how do you drive it? What do you do? Um, talk us through that. Yeah, so for the GBPRA I'm the, and for the IPRF, I'm, I'm the media officer. Um, so I sit on the executive committee. Um, and when I first started, when I fir- first started out on it, um, I thought I'd be looking after the social media side of things. Uh, you know, I'm, I really like getting onto Instagram, and, and I've started doing a bit of YouTube now as well. And um, my son's actually, who spends a lot of time with me on the road, going to matches and so on, he's a media student. So initially I just thought it'd be all about doing the, the fun social media side of things. And But then soon realized that we needed to build a website <laughs> and we needed to do this and we needed to do that and set up all the communications and how do we communicate with members and, and so on and so forth. So it built it, it built into something a lot bigger than I was anticipating it to be. It takes up a lot of my time, or certainly did when we were getting everything set up. But yeah, media officer, I, I look after all of the social media, I look after the website, um, all the communications between members and so on. There's a, there's a, <clears throat> I imagine there's a lot of work there. Um yeah even just doing just social media and then why well, do a lot of match organization but even just doing social media stuff takes up a lot of time um yeah and with the day job and and um everything else that i've got going on and um, with my shooting with bagara and with jackal firearms um yeah there's there's a there's a hell of a lot there um to look after i think people you know looking from the outside in though i think they i think that they understand that we're all volunteers on the GBPRA, we're all volunteers on the IPRF. Nobody gets paid. I've, you know, I've, I've never taken any expenses for travel or anything like that. Um, everything's done on my own book. And, you know, I, 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 I feel that there's an appreciation out there that if I don't get to answer somebody's email straight away or the website doesn't quite get updated for a couple of days after a, after a match or whatever I, I think people understand that you know this is not a di- this is not a job as such it's it's more a, it's more a, um, a passion and a labor of love yeah. actually I was, uh, was a couple of years ago I had a, a chap come up and said oh man it must be great doing your job and this is well, we're at a match <laughs> I do I said what, what do you mean mate and he goes oh you know you just get to shoot guns all day and you know do this and that and I was like what do you mean and, He's like, oh, you know, that's your job. And I was like, man, I, I work full time um, doing engineering. Like, I, this is, um, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, when I, the photos you see, they aren't all, that isn't that day. That could be uh, the weekend prior or two months prior. Mm. <laughs> like, I was like, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, and then the, yeah, it's, it's, it's some, well, I've had it a couple of times where people think that my, my job is, one is social media and then obviously the different companies I, I work yeah. with or have worked with over the years in, in firearms um obviously just social media stuff and then matches but it's yeah that's just a hobby um <laughs> i think i think I, you know and i occasionally come across the odd person who, who sounds a bit impatient for something and and it, and, and 
I, I, I can't I can't be well I, I've got to feel a certain level of responsibility so I, I, I didn't put myself into this um, position or I wouldn't have put myself into this position if, if I wasn't getting something out of it myself you know the work that I've done through the IPRF, the work that I've done through the GBPRA, it's it's led to me having some amazing experiences. I've met some, I've met some great people. I've made new friends that people that I consider to be very close friends. I've spent a lot of time with my son. I felt a sense of accomplishment building something from the ground up, and being involved in something that's that's brand new and and really could be something really um, enduring years to come that a lot of people will get a lot of pleasure out of so and, and I'll look back at back at it in my dotage and feeling an immense sense of pride I, you know I, 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 I'm not doing this without getting something out of it in return um, but um, so but the responsibility comes with that so you know I, I do need to take it seriously I do need to put my best into it and, and, um, and make sure that that, that I do almost treat it like a job. I'm sitting here yeah. smiling, listening to you say that, um, especially the first part. The um, yeah, that's quite. You're right though that it's the people you meet, it's the time you spend with friends, the the hours on the road talking rubbish or talking politics, whatever. <laughs> right? That's. I I think I've I had a conversation a while ago with a friend of mine who's particularly good and um in the sport and and I thought I said oh match 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 wins are cool and. And, and high placings but it's i think it's the 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 time you spend with cool people is is, yeah. is a lot of it it's um well yeah. look I'm, I'm i'm not the i'm not the best shooter in the uk there are there are there are lots and lots of people that are much better shooters than me if i was doing this for the glory of my match results i wouldn't be doing <laughs> it for very long <laughs> um you know, but um, no. It, so for for me, it is that you know building something that I can feel um, proud about, and and yeah, and just the whole being around the sport, making those connections with people, having all the experiences, just been a fantastic journey. Yeah. I'd I'd say, man, like for, of my the, the people who I hang out with um, now as a, as a as a grown up. Um, grown up, anyway. Um, <laughs> that, 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 it sounds weird, but it's, it's people I've met through competitions or, or various ways online and they're, they're good friends now like you say they're not just you catch up once every six months and, oh hey man it's like non-firearms related topics are talked about or mm. we go hunting or we they come and help on the farm or you know it's um yeah it's like like-minded individuals i guess um, with, a, with a, yeah. a common outlook on the world at least at least common enough yeah. <clears throat> right, um, i'm I mean, I, I, I don't know if you're going to be asking a question about um, later on, just about my involvement with um, with Begara. But um, one of the one of the experiences I had with Begara last year was um, they, when I joined the pro team, they wanted to get us over to the factory in Spain and um, do a factory tour, learn about the company, learn about the manufacturing process with the barrels and the action and the, the rifles. And um, and then we went um, hunting in in the Spanish Spanish hillside countryside next to a lake and just the experience that I had it's just absolutely amazing and and like I say if it if it wasn't for the hard work that I put into 
um, social media and things like that, that that experience wouldn't have been wouldn't have been there for me to to enjoy. Yeah. So you know, you put the hard work in, and you you, you get the rewards out the other end, or you yeah. both you do. <laughs> yeah. No. Well. So with <clears throat> first world championships last year, obviously, um, various. Uh, reasons it was moved from uh, was it Hungary in Eastern Europe over towards yeah Hungary was the original um, destination that was slated for the world championships and the, the the guys over there worked very very hard on making that happen um, but it, it, it just it turned out in the end that it just wasn't feasible to set it up there yep and um, France France stepped up and yeah so France um, had just just re very close to the, when that decision was taken that Hungary wouldn't be feasible and we had a very short time frame to work out what we would do instead of Hungary and um, France had actually just hosted a, a match that was a little bit of a mini international I think they had something like over 10 or something countries uh, shooters from various countries coming over 150 shooters and 150 shooters in Europe that's a big match yeah you know, in America, 200 shooters, you know, every day. But in Europe, that that is a really big match. The, the biggest matches over in the UK, we'll be getting no more than 40 shooters. Mm -hmm. um, and for France to be able to put an event on of that scale, when we were expecting at the IPRF, that we'd probably be looking at about 250 shooters. We thought, well, that's another 100, surely they could handle that. And... Um, we spoke, we spoke to the guys in France to see if they thought that it was feasible to run it there. Um, we, we spoke to uh, Ultimate Ballistics to see if they could, to, if they could help out with um, the event organisation and the scoring. And everything just sort of um, came together there. It was, it, was all a bit, it was all a bit last minute, but it was a massively professional job that the um, FRPRA and Ultimate Ballistics and, and the rest of the, you know, the the ex core and other people um, put into that. I mean, Rob, a big, big, big um, compliment to Rob Ramsden. Um, you know, at the time, the, the hours and the effort that Rob put into making that World Championships happen. Um, he needed a break afterwards, let me tell you. <laughs> so, how did, um, how did Team um, Great Britain go in, in France in the, in the first? World champs. Yeah, so I think I mentioned that um, already that we sent um, a team in open factory senior military and law enforcement. We had um, sixteen shooters in total. Um, we um, we took home um, the factory division win as a team in factory factory world champions um, at the ignore ignore. Ign I'm tripping over my words here. Inaugural. Um, world world champions of factory division, um, which was an amazing result. Um, brilliant for the for the lads there to to take home that to take home that gold, and and what's more, not only did the team win gold, but um, we also had Lawrence Barnes, who was crowned um, the first world champion of of the factory division. So yeah, double win there for us in factory. Mm -hmm. um, Military and law enforcement um, was very, very close. There was actually a shoot-off um, between one of our guys, Jack Crawford, who's actually the current chairman of the, of the GBPRA. There was a shoot-off between him and um, a Swedish guy, 
for first place in military and law enforcement for gold and um he, he just got pipped in that last in that last shoot out shoot off and um, but we did like i say very very good good um position in military and law enforcement as a team and um, the guys in senior um really performed well and as did our open team our open team um were excellent uh, two of our open shooters actually placed in the top 10 percent um, of all the 250 shooters that were at the world championships so you know when people look at the results and in open and see that there was quite quite a bit of dominance by the usa team um at the top of that of that um division and overall out of the 250 shooters it was really great to see two of our shooters in the top 10 yeah that's um, pretty that was, good that was fantastic yeah and we had and i think in the top 20 of shooters we we had one two three four five six seven eight yeah a good really good turnout good standard of shooting there and we weren't too far off the americans let me tell you yeah well i mean they've got a big big head start and a lot more um <clears throat> matches to um well it's nearly every weekend if you want to travel over there and it so yeah they are the benchmark oh yeah so, of course you know of course yeah um yeah, no, we, we, we watched it We watched it with uh, quite a lot of interest here from New Zealand, several of us. Um, uh, yeah, quite a, quite a, and there was a lot of social media covering it from you guys, from uh, like the young American lady, Alison Zane, you know, they were always putting Instagram stories up and it was good. We, we got to see a lot of footage, um, you know, on the other side of the world, so. Yeah, no, that's good. And, and uh, you know, we're hoping that we can um, replicate that for the upcoming um, Italian the World Championships in, it, in Italy and in South Africa again. Well, that's perfect because the next question is, <clears throat> obviously, as you just touched on, touched on earlier this year, um, Rimfire has been added to the IPRF and the First World Championships will be taking place in Italy. Um, so we'll cover several things on this. So uh, is Rimfire just as popular in Great Britain and, and I guess Europe as centrefire shooting or is it more so? Um. I won't speak for for Europe because I I think it, it really depends country by country. True. Um, in in the UK, um, I'd say you we probably see as many shooters shooting rim fire, um, if not more than what we do centre fire. But centre fire is considered to be the the Premier League, so to speak. Yeah. Um, centre fire is is what is what I think most people aspire to shooting and to performing. Um, what we did with what we did with rim fire is we recognised very early on in the GBPRA that it was um, that it was going to be a feeder for centre fire. Agreed. And it was it was going to be the way that we would get more shooters into the centre fire into the sport, and um, and particularly junior shooters. Mm-hmm. So what we what we did was we we set up um, our affiliate member model, and what that looks to do is that looks to encourage ranges and home office approved clubs. So basically, we want to build a network of local clubs and local ranges hosting Precision Rifle Two Two, and all they need is a fifty meter range. Yeah. But hosting Precision Rifle 2-2 matches, uh, we produce a monthly course of fire that they can choose to use if they wish to use. But And we'll help them out with targetry and that as best we can. Um, and then and then 
what we then do is we then organise um, season finals or selection finals for the World Championships, which we're doing this year, um, where, th where all the affiliate clubs can send their best shooters from their own matches to the finals, and then we use the finals to select our Great Britain team for Precision Rifle 2-2. I like that because then you know each 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 club or area they're not going to feel like they were overlooked and and their top guys can go and actually try and compete and take one of those spots to the uh, the world championship. I like that. Yeah, what we find with a lot of the local clubs is um, certainly my old local club. I've actually moved clubs now, for, actually for this reason, <laughs> but they're they're very um, very much. Um, guess a, a, an older population of, of members focus very much on um, bench rest some practical disciplines as well um, don't really do a lot of the positional shooting um, involved in precision rifle and and not have haven't been very open to um, precision rifle 2-2 um, and we knew that that was going to be a barrier to the growth of the sport in the UK so we designed that affiliate model with the course fire that we send out every month, our PR22 course fire, so that, so, so that it could be as appealing and as, as, e as easy as possible to implement as we could make it for local clubs. Um, with, with the view that all they needed was maybe a few members that were interested to speak to their committee and get it off the ground and get it moving. And then hopefully grow interest at that local level. Um, and, and we just hope that that would help to to um, to grow participation in the sport. I, I, I we see similar things with some of the more traditional shooting sports here, who who are in my opinion struggling for membership, but they don't um, not as interested in the more modern styles of shooting. But that's that's mm. well, you see, I imagine you see that all over the world. Um, but I, I definitely agree that rim I that rimfire is uh, the way to. Well, in my opinion, to, to increase participation. Um, in fact, in our 22 series, uh, we see quite a lot of people we wouldn't see in Cinefire. Um And some of them just, they're just mainly, their main interest is the Rimfire. Mm. Um, they do the odd Cinefire event, but man, you, you, in the Rimfire event, if you're competing against them, you've got to watch out, right? They spend a lot of time, <laughs> you know. Um, so... Do you know what do you know what it is about rimfire though? Everybody talks about oh, it's just so cheap, but for me it's it it's not just the cost of um, the ammunition being a hell of a lot cheaper. It's just so much easier. It's like rimfire rifles need that little maintenance and care, and you don't have to worry so much about depending on what distance you're shooting out to. Of course, you don't have to worry too much about the wind and your gear and your equipment and. It's just so accessible. I mean, for a centre fire match to go and shoot a centre fire match, it's a big event. You've got people reloading and booking hotels and travelling miles and miles and miles for the match. But rim fire, it's like, yeah, I'm half an hour away from my local club. I can just chuck the rifle in a bag, grab grab a few boxes of rim fire ammunition, rook up, shoot a match, get home in time for tea. It's it's just easy. Yeah, and quiet. Well, yeah, in, in well. countries that allow um, suppressors um, freely, um, <clears throat> and you can go as like we we see we're in our series. Um, you can you, 
some people are starting off with a real basic um, like sub 1000s so like sub 500 pounds set up in your money and then other guys you know myself included using voodoos and, and the like um, but yeah so I, I think it's I think it's excellent so so with, with, with it being in Italy uh, one thing I was, I was interested to know is it an outdoor range is it a um, is it taking place on like a gazetted range or is it on a field how do you know how it's going to take place so I'm still I'm still waiting for the final um, details of what the range is like and, and so on I believe it is going to be an outdoor range I think it's going to be central I think it, it's in central Italy um, it's in quite a mountainous area um, but I I haven't seen any pictures of the range don't have an address for the range yet um, so I, th- I think there's just a few final negotiations and T's to cross and um, I's to dot and and then we'll be coming out with all of the information but yeah don't have too much to share right now yeah man that'd be a cool one to go to <laughs> that'd be absolutely uh, oh yeah like, I guess obviously being um, where you are it's a lot simpler if <laughs> we're at the bottom of the world so take a bit of planning to get to something like that but um <laughs> well you've got i don't know i don't know what the flights are like over there south africa but uh 2024 same hemisphere at least <laughs> yeah there is there is some some stuff in the background um yeah i i i personally would like to compete in south africa in 24 that's mm. a that's a stretch goal for me at the moment um I'll be competing in Australia next year in their precision. Sorry, this year in their precision rifle series. Um, so it'll be my mm-hmm. first international stuff. Again, obviously in New Zealand, I'm like we're we're about as far away from anywhere as you can be. So even just going to Aussie is still a bit of a um, uh, financial, and then obviously a lot of paperwork. And but we'll see how that goes. And um, and then yeah, but but anyway, that's that's the, we're not here to talk about my aspirations. Um, <laughs> well, it's fascinating for me to hear. Well, I'll tell you what. What we need to do is we need to get you on the on shoot ready the GBPRA podcast. I'd love and, to. Um, and yep. then you can talk about it all. Yeah, no, that'd, that'd be good. And, and I guess too, New Zealand. We've got our sort of own, especially here in the North Island. We've got our own flavour. Like we're uh, quite different and, and similar in respects. But we've we've got it. We do things a bit. Um, yeah, we we use a lot of field ranges and. Um, undulating terrain and stuff so it could be interesting for you guys to, to hear some of that um so i've noticed <clears throat> you're a very keen rimfire competitor as you touched on earlier and i've actually been watching your youtube videos and such and you're getting some pretty good results will you be trying to um qualify for a position for um team great Britain, great britain or will you be trying to head there as a as a media officer uh, well I mean, well, first of all, thanks for the thanks for the compliment. Um, what I what I would say is um, the the last couple of matches that I've shot, um, certainly by no means were some of the best shooters at that match that the UK has got to offer. So, so maybe my result flatters me a flatters me a little bit. We've got a we've got a guy in the UK, um, Andre Mills from um, from he's, he's South Af- he's, he's born and raised in South Africa, I believe. He's he's British national law lives over here now, um, and uh, if you look at the if you look at the results on our leaderboard, you'll see Andre right at the right at the top there, and he's a very very good centre fire shooter. He's in he shot for for Team GB in Open, placed a very placed very well um, in France, 
Um, but in 2-2 competition, he's just so dominant. He's a great shooter, uh, as are a lot of the a lot of the other guys um, that are in the Team GB for the centre fire team as well. So yes, I would I would certainly hope that I'm at the finals um, to try and qualify. Um, but actually, qualification for Italy is less important for me. What I'm very, very interested in is helping and supporting my son to qualify in junior division. Oh, of course. Um, yeah, that's that's where that's where my focus is. If if Luca can, um, Luca is also a um, Bagara Pro shooter. Um, he just joined the the team this year um, uh, because the Bagara were keen to support a junior shooter and. Obviously, Dad was already part of Bigara Pro team, so it was you know it was it was an easy option for them, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, I, 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 I'm invested more in my son actually than I am in my own performance right now. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. He again, <clears throat> um, following you and him, he seems to be doing pretty well and learning a lot. Yeah, and he's only been. I mean, he he first spent his first year just on the road with me doing media work. I think I mentioned he's a media student, and then he, you know, he, he was at the range for all the matches. He was watching everybody else shoot, and of course, you know, he was like, "Dad, I I want to be shooting. I want to get from behind the camera and do a bit of it myself." So, um, so we got him along to um some of the two two matches earlier last year, um. He he came to a couple of centre fire matches as well. Um, good friend of ours, um, Ryan Charlton, lent him his rifle. Spent a lot of time coaching him. Ryan is a um, is a Team GB shooter. One of uh, I think I mentioned we had two shooters in the top ten percent of the world. Ryan was one of those two in there, um, and um, and Luke came on leaps and bounds. Um, with with the support of people like Ryan helping him helping him develop, um, he's now got his own um, firearms license, um, so he's he's sort of out there on his own a little bit to a degree now. You know, his his the future's in his own hands, but mm-hmm. uh, but obviously with dad with dad there to support him, and not just dad, the rest of the precision rifle shooting community in the UK because it is a a very close knit community and um, very supportive one as well. Yeah, I, I think if you get um, a newer shooter, um, and if they get the right uh, role models or uh, coaching instruction, <clears throat> whatever you want to call it, man, they can, you can if you learn. Um, I'm not gonna say properly, but if you if you learn good technique and 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 everything else from the start, you're gonna come ahead. You, you're gonna save years of progression and time. Um, I used to shoot. I just got. Like, well, I used to have a personal range, and I just I just shoot for the sake of shooting, and I wasn't actually trying to achieve anything. And it wasn't until I got some lessons from a particularly good mentor of mine um, that I started it started to click, and I started to perform better and shoot better. And mm. um, but it was years and, and, and thousands and thousands of rounds of ammo for no particular <laughs> reason, right? But but you, you get the right <laughs> right mentors, man. You can just um, rocket ahead, so to speak, in, in, in your skill level. Um, so it's it's cool to to hear that the work's getting put in with your young lad and um, and he, he, it looks like he, he could represent the country. And that's um, what an achievement. Yeah, I certainly hope so. We're, we've got a small pool of precision rifle shooters when it comes to junior and ladies. And like I say, that, that is where we, we need to put a lot of our attention this year in encouraging 
and, and we're see and we're seeing more and more come through. We're seeing more juniors come through. We're seeing more ladies come into the sport, and um, I think a lot a lot of the positive promotion that we've made over the past couple of years of the sport has fed into that. Um, has just made it a more welcoming sport. Um, to to try and you know, and it's starting to attract people into it now. I feel. Mm. Yeah. So you. You mentioned earlier, and I mentioned at the start, you shoot uh, shoot for Team Bagara International and Jackal Firearms. Is it both? Yeah. So so um so I started out. So I I bought my first Bagara, the six five threes more back in I think it was twenty eighteen. Like I've already um, explained, and um, I went on to Facebook and joined the joined the Facebook owners groups, and um, there was the Bagara International, which is the official. Um, international Facebook group for Bagara outside of North America and I went on there originally just to see pictures of other people's rifles maybe if I wanted a bit of advice it was a good place to ask owners with experience for that a question or two um, and and then I um, eventually started um, posting a bit myself talking about my rifle my experiences my trips to the range or out hunting um and and quite some time ago when i was younger i actually wrote a couple of books nothing that was ever published but i've always enjoyed telling stories and um i started adding into a few of my posts you know a little bit of um storytelling to go along with the pictures as well and um and and from that i realized that people who were engaging with that Mm-hmm. So actually, that whole social media piece for me just sort of took off. But because I was using Bagaras, and I ended up buying a, a, my own B14R as well, a 2.2, and taking that out on the rifles, I hung up the Ruger and, and got myself a you know a, a nice rifle for the for the rabbits. And um, you know the, the 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 social media content that I was putting off putting out really really took off, and then. But it, but that's all it was. I was just uh, an enthusiastic fanboy of the, of the of the rifles, <laughs> um, and then um, as I started to get more and more into precision rifle, I hooked up with the owner of Jackal Firearms. We in the UK we struck up a we struck up a friendship. Um, I bought some stuff off him. Um, I started posting about the the gear that, of his that I was using, and he said, "Look, you're do, you're promoting." my company really well here Christian why don't I bring you on to and you're, and you're shooting precision rifles well why don't I just see if the lads on team Jackal the precision rifle team will mind you joining the team and um, and I'll start supporting you as best I can and you, you can promote the products and the team and so on um, so I started doing that I was a bit worried at first I didn't want it to spoil the friendship but it, it certainly hasn't got in the way um, and started shooting for team jackal for jackal firearms then they took they took luca on as well luca joined the team also um and and that's how it sort of started for me having um links in with with industry then uh, it was it was actually on christmas day um bagara sent me an email um offering me um a contract to join the pro team um, and that was like I said, after two years of me p- 
shooting and posting about their about their rifles um, but not not as a pro shooter they were very much focused at the time on the hunting side of things yeah um, which obviously I do a lot of a lot of hunt, hunting of rabbits um, so so I was delighted to join them because it meant I could continue to shoot for team jackal and it meant I could also be a pro team member um, for Bagara then um, I think seeing the the growth in the sport in the past year the success of the IPRF Bagara in North America already have pro shooter team over there they already sponsor shooters in Spain they decided that they wanted to do more of that um, across the international market um, and obviously because I'm heavily engaged in in the sport um, and in the organization of the sport and as a shooter they approached me to see if if I would um, join their team um, I had a chat with Simon at Jackal Firearms he saw it as a good thing for the sport Simon's very much like that if it's good for the sport he's 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 he's, he's he puts his business second. Mm-hmm. He wants to see the sport um, uh, grow. He's, he's very he's he's very much focused on on that rather than rather than what he's getting out of it himself. Um, he was like, "Yeah, fine, sounds great. You know, you you go for it, go for it, Christian." Um, so uh, Bagara said, "What we'll do is we'll we'll start to put together a team over time, gradually, slowly." Um, across the international market and and as we bring more shooters on board Christian we'd like you to just support them with getting them settled in to Begara and and looking after them which which I was very very happy to do and then I was even more delighted when they said and actually the first shooter we'd like to introduce to the team after yourself is your son that's <laughs> awesome yeah yes I was oh, I, I was I was blown away by that and and they said you know we, we we'd like to have a junior shooter on the team and you know, we might as well start as we as we mean to go on. Um, so yeah, I, I was I was really really happy that I could continue with my relationship with Jackal Firearms, um, but at the same time help um, to get the Bagara Pro Shooter program outside of North America and Spain off the ground as well. Um, yeah, it's just fantastic. And what it also meant was um, Team Jackal is now able to go and look for two new shooters. So that's another two new shooters that have now got an opportunity to, to, become, to become supported by the industry um, for, the, for their sport. So again, it's all about growing that sport. I, I hate it, it, it sounds so cliche, grow the sport. And people do roll their eyes sometimes when I say it too much, so I apologise for that. <laughs> but but that's, what, that's what a lot of us are focused on promoting the sport and increasing participation and by Bagara forming a pro shooter team for the international market that that is op- that is opening up opportunities for more and more people yeah and that can only be a good thing yeah definitely yeah definitely <clears throat> so as you, as you mentioned you touched on and obviously um keeping an eye on your Instagram, you, you'd like dealing to the local rabbit population, um, which which I, I quite enjoy watching your uh, escapades. And, and as you, you said, um, you write a bit of a, a small story, a tale uh, about what happened, right? And it adds a certain level of, 
well i'll always go back and i'll see the post and, oh, yeah, and i'll actually read through it rather than just a picture of a rabbit and a and a, and a rifle or, or such um there's there's a story there's a tale um they seem quite popular are, are you using this this rabbit hunting this or pest control whatever you want to call it as marksmanship practice or are you just using it as a way to uh, walk out in, in the fields and enjoy nature um yeah, it it started it started out um, uh, quite by coincidence because I, I I had an air rifle and my brother was talking to somebody and said, "Oh, my my brother has an air rifle," and he said, "Oh, I I live on a farm and the farmer's got a problem with rabbits. Why doesn't he come up with the air rifle and shoot them?" So I went up, shot a few rabbits, and um, and what I soon realised was just the whole process of stalking taking a rabbit, processing a rabbit, cooking a rabbit, eating a rabbit. It, it just, it just, it awakens something. Yeah. Um, something, something that, that I, did, I didn't re- realise was sort of missing um, until I'd actually done it. And, and that connection, again, it just sounds so cheesy, but it, I, I felt the connection with the animal, with nature, in a way that I'd never felt that before. Yep. And um, and it was something that I wanted to continue um, experiencing. And you know that's when I started to set my sights on deer stalking as well, and um, going after a, a more difficult quarry. Um, and and then I've already mentioned that's where they. Then I started to join a, a rifle club, started to um, get into marksmanship. Um, but the rabbit, the rabbit hunting has never been about improving my marksmanship skills. The target shooting has always been about improving my marksmanship skills when I'm out on the rabbits. Because there's nothing worse than a bad shot on a rabbit, on an animal. Um, and I wanted to be the most proficient shoot that I could be, not for competition, but for hunting. Um, now I want to be the most proficient shooter I can be, not just for hunting, but also for competition. Um, so I'm quite quite happy that those two those two goals um, align. But um, no, rab- rabbit hunting is not about um, practice for me. It's um, it, it's it's much much more than that. Yeah, that's no, that's good. I, I've actually started um, recently hunting with a, a three hundred three, just iron sights, just trying mm. to um I've, I've had the conversation with a few people and it's so easy with a modern setup to um you know oh there's your deer 200 meters 300 meters um but if i've got my 303 uh i've now got to get close it's not something i haven't really done had to do before and it's, it's added a level of uh, enjoyment uh, to to the hunting or the pest control depending on what we're doing um, that I've, yeah, it's it's hard to explain, but it's um yeah, it's it's yeah. it's. Awesome. I've got no, I've got no problems taking a because I'm confident to taking a hundred or hundred meter or so shot on a on a rabbit um, in the right conditions, but th- there's nothing better than than spotting one 300, 200 meters and stalking into about forty meters, um for that shot. It's you know it's part of the it's part of the excitement of of, of hunting them. Yeah, I, I think it's it's something I've been missing is that that stalking 
as such. Um, but anyway, that's <laughs> again um, that's a, a, a topic for another podcast. Um, well, I tell you what, we're just over an hour, Christian, and I know you've got a, an evening um, cooking for your family, so um, we'll, we'll we'll about wrap it up here. But I've really enjoyed having you on. Uh, it's been um, it's been quite a treat, and we tried to do this the other day, but um, we had some issues with power when we had a bit of a storm here in New Zealand. But um, thanks for uh, taking the time to um, uh, spend your evening talking to us and, and explaining how, how the IPRF, GBRA, and all and all that works. And um, yeah, uh, I hope to talk to you again soon. Yeah, I hope so, and um, hopefully it'll be on the, our own podcast over right. in the UK. Sounds like a plan, mate. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, you'll hear from us all again soon.